0: Hello and welcome to Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names. The show that never goes out of style. Hey, look everybody! Kevin's back! Kevin! We love you, Kevin! Kevin sleeps! It's back-to-school time, friends. Or somewhere adjacent to to back-to-school time. It's funny how back-to-school always makes one think of elementary school. I think of lunchboxes, yellow pencils apples with little worms popping out the side. Bonus if they're wearing a graduation cap. Don't know why. Maybe it's because elementary school is one of the last times when you really, really enjoy school, and it's all downhill from there. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But you usually think of elementary school when you think of back to school. I've been wanting to speak on today's topic for a while, but waited for the back to school or, you know, approximate back to school time because my childhood classrooms were full of these. I'm talking, of course, about Kevins, those mischievous 80s and 90s scamps. The name Kevin conjures up the image of a late 20th century Dennis the Menace. Kevin was super popular in the late 80s and early 90s, but very few people want to name their boys that today. What happened? On the surface, Kevin should be a poetic Celtic name like Kiernan or Finn. Why does it make one think of a troublesome little boy? Side note, a Kevin I knew was a little dirtbag with a red rat tail, so I know where my bias comes from anyway. But how did Kevin ascend in popularity in the first place, and what brought about its spectacular downfall? Well, grab your seats, kids, because class is in session. The name Kevin is said to originate with the 7th century Irish saint Cuevan, one of the patron saints of Dublin, and blackbirds, apparently. His name, which means handsome or comely, comes from two Celtic words that mean something like handsome and birth together. I would attempt the words, but Celtic is very hard to pronounce, and I will probably get it wrong. Sources suggest that he was the first person to have this name, but there's really no way to tell for sure. According to legend, Cuevan's name came to his parents at the behest of an angel who appeared at the baby's christening. His dad was about to have the priest baptize the baby, and the angel was like, Hey, you need to name him Cuevan. And his dad was like, You're the boss. St. Cuevan, who we'll go ahead and say St. Kevin because that's what it became, grew up to be a gentle hermit monk who founded the prominent monastery of Glendalough near modern-day Dublin. He was a friend to the animals and a brilliant scholar. He also famously threw a woman in the lake or a thicket of nettles or something because she hit on him. He was very well known for his purity. I get my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. St. Kevin died in 618 AD and was canonized in 1903. His feast day was held on the 3rd of June, which is believed to be the day he died. For hundreds of years, people celebrated the saint with a raucous festival called St. Kevin's Frenzy, which sounds very exciting. Unfortunately, the frenzy was outlawed by the church in the 1890s. Boo. The name Cuevan was eventually anglicized to Kevin, possibly once the English took control of the island in the Middle Ages. The Irish adopted the Anglo-Norman use of given names in the 12th and 13th centuries. We talked about that a little bit in the Smith episode. So people could have named their kids Quiven or Kevin as far back as the 1100s. Entries from the Annals of Ireland and the Annals of the Four Masters of the 1600s show the English equivalent of several Gaelic-Irish given names. Unfortunately, Kevin doesn't seem to be part of these works, but they do show us the real-time Anglicization of Gaelic names. And if you haven't heard of these works, they're essentially catalogs of stories and accounting of the different estates in Ireland and the different lords and vassals and such. Just basically a bunch of records of early Ireland. Baptismal and marriage records from parishes around Dublin show Kevin, notably not Queven, with the Celtic spelling, showing up as a first name as far back as the mid-1700s. Looking through the entries, it seemed like there was a Kevin serving as a witness to basically every wedding in this small town. Maybe that was his job. All I can picture is Kevin from the office just nodding smugly as the couple says their vows. Interestingly, Quiven, with the Celtic spelling, didn't show up in the set of records I was consulting until the early 1900s. And there were far less entries than the anglicized Kevin. It's possible that people used the Gaelic pronunciation, but it was spelled in the Anglicized way, and more on that in a minute. The English suppressed the Irish language and culture from the 1500s to the 1800s, and, you know, beyond, of course. The Irish people were forced to surrender the trappings of Celtic culture and adopt English in place of Gaelic. From the 18th to 20th centuries, a tide of nationalist fervor reignited an interest in the Gaelic language among the Irish. Movements like the Gaelic Revival and the Irish Literary Renaissance would bring Gaelic back into use and help propel Ireland towards an independence movement from England. Key players included familiar figures like Samuel Beckett and William Butler Yeats. Following the Irish potato famine of the 1840s, the use of Gaelic had almost disappeared but for the rural western parts of Ireland that were furthest away from English influence. The Gaelic revival encouraged older generations to teach Gaelic to their children and bring it into public life. This included giving their children traditional Gaelic names like Quiven, or so it seems from the parish records. The Irish historically adhered to the English Western naming conventions, particularly in the 18th and 19th centuries. Things like first son is named after paternal grandfather, second son is named after maternal grandfather, etc, etc. So the names were being used over and over again, just like they were in England, in the U.S., and the rest of the Anglo world. That's where you get the thing where there's like a million Johns, a million Marys. The most common names in circulation prior to World War II were saints' names and the names of national heroes. While St. Kevin wasn't officially canonized yet, he still held high enough sway in Irish culture to enter the naming pre- and post-Anglican takeover. Kevin still seems like it dwarfed the use of Cuevan in Ireland, generally speaking. So it looks like the Anglicized version still kind of outweighed that traditional Celtic model. Between 1880 and 1910, 1.5 million people came to America from Ireland. Half of these immigrants came from counties in Ireland where at least 40% of the population spoke Gaelic. Irish Americans felt solidarity with their brethren overseas who were fighting for their freedom against the British. Newspapers published in Gaelic popped up in several major cities with large Irish communities. Gaelic enthusiasm doesn't appear to have extended to baby naming among the Irish Americans, especially for boys. Uber-popular names like John appealed to the Catholic faith held by many Irish and had the added benefit of not exacerbating the persecution they faced in the Anglo-centric U.S. A Kiernan or Kuevan wouldn't exactly blend in on the streets of Boston or Chicago, no matter how many people were reading the Hibernian Chronicle. The Anglicized Kevin first appeared in U.S. naming charts in 1921, the same year English rule ended in Ireland. Could be a coincidence, or it could be, that some Irish mothers were feeling special pride in their Gaelic roots. This is also not far from where St. Kevin was officially canonized in 1903. You might be thinking, why would an Irish mom use the Anglicized version of the name if she's expressing her Celtic pride? Well. Part of it was surely due to the Gaelic spelling and how it makes no earthly sense to an English reader. Also, Kevin, for all its anglicization, had been firmly entrenched in Irish Catholic culture for centuries. Any associations with Anglican domination probably wouldn't have crossed anyone's mind. The English were famously not into Catholics after a certain king or whatever. The early 20th century saw a gradual ascent in Kevin's popularity. State-by-state numbers show that its rise was most consistent in northeastern and midwestern states, which, coincidentally, had big Irish-American populations. Arguably, the first person in pop culture to have the name Kevin was actor Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy was born in 1914 in Seattle, which apparently has a long-standing Irish community thanks to the lumber industry and various gold rushes. McCarthy became an accomplished stage actor and eventually played the character Biff in the 1951 screen adaptation of Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. Many of the Kevin actors we know today were born around the time of the film's release, not necessarily named after McCarthy, of course. These actors include Kevin Costner, 1955, Kevin Bacon, 1958, Kevin Spacey, 1959, etc., etc., They were all part of Kevin's first popularity peak in America. Kevin jumps from number 73 in popularity to number 15 in 1960. Its highest rank was number 11 in 1963. Kevin would have a second, smaller peak from 1972 and 1997 at number 13. More on that in a moment. But back to this sudden leap in the late 1950s, early 1960s. What could have caused such a sudden leap? Surely it's not just one actor. Here are my theories, which I will give to you through the magic of a numerical list. 1. Anti-Irish sentiment was on the decline in America. Post-war government programs like the GI Bill brought many of the poor whites, who included groups like the Irish and Polish, into the middle class. Senator-turned-President Kennedy— helped further break Irish stigma by becoming the first Irish Catholic president. Two, post-war prosperity meant that people could afford to be less formal and traditional. It became more socially acceptable to name your kids according to individual preference rather than the dictates of society. And three, people with high visibility like McCarthy had the name, so it was suddenly in circulation. People can't name their kids a name if they don't know it exists, like it entered the gene pool. The second peak of Kevin essentially rounded out the final years of Gen X, early 70s to early 80s. And while I say it was a second peak, it was more of a couple of sustained bumps rather than the the rocket-to-the-top experienced in the 50s. Famous namesakes from this time are Kevin Arnold from The Wonder Years, And Kevin McAllister of Home Alone. Kevin remained in the top 50 among boys names from the late 70s clear to the 2010s. From there, it steadily declined to its current spot at number 182. Still pretty popular. I was surprised. I thought it would be like a thousand. According to the user ratings on Behindthename.com, a fabulous website I've talked before, people view Kevin as quote, wholesome, and strong, end quote. 72% of participating users considered it to be a good name. Although why would you search for the name and rank it if you didn't have it or some affiliation with it? I mean, that might skew the data a little bit. Keep in mind that all this data is from America. In Western Europe, particularly Germany and France, Kevin has a less-than-appealing reputation. American media has always been popular overseas, and in the late 20th century, people from Western Europe eagerly consumed America's movies, TV, and music. Among these were Kevin-laced offerings like Home Alone or the movies of Kevin Bacon or Kevin Costner. Dances with Wolves was apparently extremely popular in Europe. Thus began a European Kevin fad that was a few years behind the U.S., in fact, Kevin was the most popular name for boys in France from 1989 to 1994. The unquestioned appeal of American culture started to decline in the early 2000s, possibly because of the unpopularity of the Iraq War that I'm just speculating. In France and Germany, Kevin is currently seen as a trashy name given to lower class kids like immigrants and poor people. To call someone a Kevin in France or Germany is basically like somebody in Seattle calling someone a Billy Bob. It just means someone stupid, classless, and culturally bankrupt. German sociologist Jürgen Gerhards coined the term Kevinismus in 2008 to describe the negative perception Germans have of Anglo-American names. Gerhards asserted that people named Kevin were more likely to live depressing, unsuccessful lives because of the negative associations with the name. This is really similar to the study popularized by Freakonomics that compared white-sounding names and black-sounding names and the corresponding outcomes for the children who had them. There might be some validity to the concern or faux concern about Kevin's, A 2012 study in France showed that Kevins had the lowest baccalaureate graduation rate of anyone in the country. How they gathered that data, I don't know. European dating websites have found that people named Kevin are far less likely to receive matches. And that's sad. But all may not be lost for Kevins. French director Kevin Fafarnou has been working on a crowdfunded documentary film called Save the Kevins. Fafenu asked French Kevins to tell their stories, and some of them were actually really sad, like a top neuroscientist who was afraid people wouldn't take him seriously if he used his real name in a paper that he was going to publish. Of his film, Fafenu said, quote, The idea is to show that jokes may be very funny, but actually the feeling of discrimination is real. If this can help open people's minds, that's a good thing. End quote. Hopefully, the opinion of Kevin's will level off from its extreme highs and lows. If nothing else, there's always Estonia, where Kevin is having a freaking renaissance. They just love it over there, and they're naming their babies Kevin left and right. So there's a place for everyone. We touched on a lot of really big subjects today and just barely scratched the surface. If you'd like to learn more about Irish naming history or the relationship between Gaelic and English in Ireland, you should check out the digitized and translated copies of the Annals of Ireland and Annals of the Four Masters. I'll include links in the show notes. The level of care in the preservation is really impressive because they're digitized directly from the sources, and who doesn't love a primary resource? I will also include links to think pieces I found on the Flight of Kevin's, of which there were a ton. I will also include book recommendations if you're interested in exploring the Gaelic revival, because that's just a really fascinating period in history, and we can't do it justice here today. But thank you so much for joining me today here on Moniker, the histories and mysteries of names. If you have a name you'd like featured on the podcast, I implore you, email me at monikerpod at gmail.com. Until next time... Farewell!